It's time for your weekly dose of Wayne's Comics. Welcome to episode 441 of the Wayne's Comics Podcast. Thanks so much for listening. This week I speak with the folks from Oneshi Press, including Lindsay G. and J.L. Draco, who are both co-founders. They have a Kickstarter going for Mr. Guy Zombie Hunter and Oneshi Press Comics Anthology Number 10 Origins. We talk about how these books came to be, as well as who Mr. Guy is and the group of creators they've assembled to tell his story. We recorded this just before the Kickstarter began, and since that time I've supported the project. So once you listen to their fun interview, be sure to go to Kickstarter and look for Mr. Guy Zombie Hunter and Oneshi Press Comics Anthology Number 10 Origins. So I think you'll enjoy what they have to say. There's a lot to get to in this episode, so let's get on with the show. Oneshi Press presents Mr. Guy Zombie Hunter and Oneshi Press Anthology 10 Origins. Mr. Guy Zombie Hunter is a delicious zombie apocalypse caper of ridiculous proportions. Our reluctant half-goblin hero, Mr. Guy, explores a smattering of zombie apocalypse tropes trying to find the cure. Each chapter is paired with a different illustrator, giving this ongoing story rich variations in flavor to keep the reader turning them zesty pages. We're kickstarting Act 1 of Mr. Guy from July 1st to the 31st, along with Oneshi Press's 10th comics anthology, Origins. It's great to welcome back to the podcast Lindsay G from Oneshi Press and Jail Draco from a book that's coming out. Uh, in fact, the Kickstarter is starting very soon when we're recording, and by the time this hits, it will be well underway. It's called Mr. Guy Zombie Hunter. Lindsay, how are you? I am great. Thank you so much for having me back, Wayne. It's good to talk with you again. And JL, this is our first time. How are you? I'm great, and it's a pleasure to meet you, and it's a pleasure to be here. Thanks so much. It's good to talk with you. Now, as we were talking a little bit before we started to record, you guys are old hands at Kickstarter right now. So let's talk a little bit about your history with Kickstarter before we dive into it. Um, why don't, I mean, JL, maybe you, you want to talk about, I don't know, who, who wants to give the information on Kickstarters? Well, it's, it's been a team venture yeah. the whole way. Um, this will be our sixth Kickstarter. Um, so far, we're five for five, getting full funding. So, you know, fingers crossed, knock on wood, toss some salt over your shoulder, every other superstitious thing you can do. Um, I guess we started doing Kickstarters in, I don't actually remember if it was 2017 2017? or 2018. I think. It might have been the end of 2017, right? I'm not sure, <laughs> but it was, it was a few years ago. Feels like eons ago. <laughs> we have learned so much over this time. Yeah. Um, I think our first Kickstarter was for our first comic book, Pack, mm-hmm. which is about vigilante dogs in right. Brooklyn. Yeah, I remember that. And then I believe, Wayne, that I talked to you on our second Kickstarter, which was for the first issue of Tracy Queen, right. another of our comic book projects. Right. I remember that. Yeah. Oh, so- oh, oh. Before we get too far in, why don't you give us an update on Tracy Queen? Tracy Queen, uh, we have the first two issues of the series out. There are eventually going to be eight, if all goes well. Um, 
So we've got the first two out. Uh, the second one was just released a few months ago, I think in April. Um, so uh, we actually, we successfully kickstarted that in February to March of this year, right at the beginning of the pandemic. And it was oh quite a wild ride. Oh boy. How did it go? I mean, obviously it was successful. I mean, was it different? Yeah, it, it was, was nerve wracking. <laughs> it, was, it was a nerve wracking time and we were doing a nerve wracking thing during a nerve wracking time. It was something. Um, it, we really struggled. <clears throat> um, Actually, so Kickstarter gave us a one week extension yeah. and it was during that one week extension that we made. We went from like clearly not even being about to make our goal to like soaring past our goal. Hmm. Um. And I think it was just a matter of the timing. We were just in the right place at the right time. That one week extension made it happen when, when people were like, you know what, even though everything is scary right now, we still got to support creatives and we still need entertainment and we still, you know, like want to buy stuff. So like, there's just, just at that moment where like the, I feel like the zeitgeist kind of changed its view on that happened to be in that one week extension and yeah. we just took off like a rocket in that wow. last week and soared past our goal. Yeah. You know, it was great. That's great. Cause what I hear, and, and I don't know if this is still true, but uh, about a month ago, somebody was telling me that Kickstarter was looking for people to start Kickstarter projects oh, wow. because they actually slowed down for a while. People were afraid to do a Kickstarter while they thought people might not have so much money. They were literally contacting people asking people to start kickstarters so i was fascinated by that so I, you may be again you may be just in the right time for this to to work really well for you mm. so i think that's pretty cool so yeah. that's good so fingers fingers crossed even more yeah <laughs> now before we dive in people criticize me because i do this at the end they rather than do it at the beginning how do people get your product if they want to get stuff from onishi press Ah, well, the easiest way is to go to our online store, which is at oneshipress.com uh, slash store. And Oneshi Press is spelled O-N-E-S-H-I-P-R-E-S-S dot com slash store. Um, we have a variety of indie comic books, including our anthologies, which collect uh, short comics from diverse creators from all over the place. Um, we've also got our standalone series, Tracy Queen and pack and soon hopefully mr guy um and we have our uh, ongoing fantasy illustrated novel series children of gaia um we've also got a ton of great merch uh like shirts and cups and mugs and wall art and stickers and all kinds of things all mixed up in there mm -hmm. very good well it, it's all good stuff i got to see a lot of it back on, on new york comic-con a couple of years back when you and i talked uh, first time we were actually near each other on tables at that time so that was pretty cool so it was good stuff so uh, just, that'll help make people who like it sooner than later to get all that good information now let's dive into mr guy zombie hunter I, you sent you sent me an email and i get there's a paragraph that made me laugh and i i want to read it a little bit and then we'll dive into your stuff about it. mr guy zombie hunter is a zombie apocalypse apocalypse caper of epic proportions our reluctant hero mr guy a half goblin ne'er do well with a wise crack for every occasion is infected with the zmb virus boy is that timely crap she says but then he discovers that his bite wound is haunted with a helpful ghost named spooky who comes with the helpful a helping sorry of supernatural 
Boy, I'm, I'm messing this up. Of superhuman strength. Using his needle powers, Mr. Guy is determined to cure himself, which means he'll probably have to save the world along the way. How tedious. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I, I think that, JL, you're probably the one to turn to as far as the, uh, the story and stuff. Talk about where this whole thing came from. So, uh, well, I, I first came up with Mr. Guy. I was maybe like a freshman in high school, I think, you know, like in the early nineties. Um, and, you know, zombies have always been something I've loved since I was a little kid and um, goblins are cool, you know? And I was always like, like, how cool would it be if there was like a zombie apocalypse, not on earth? Like what about in a fantasy world, like where there's orcs and goblins and elves and humans, but not exclusively humans, you know, like I want to see a zombie apocalypse happen there. But I always felt like apocalypse feels like this future thing, right? So you want it to at least be modern, you know? So like, I'm like, all right, so dig it. There's this world where like goblins and orcs and trolls you know, wear business suits and leisure clothes and, you know, like hang out in sports tees and whatever, you know? Uh, so it's a totally modern world, but it's fantasy. And Mr. Guy is just a goblin and he's stuck in it. But like something about his humor was just the way I pictured him. It was always kind of a little off. Um, and as he developed, he just became more and more the like reluctant hero like he's very much someone you might call mr guy as an insult like all right there mr guy you know mm -hmm. um that's who he is you know he's mr guy he's a bro he's a bro you know and <laughs> you know no no shade like but he's you know just doing his thing he's worried about himself the greater world is not his concern until he gets infected with something that's affecting the greater world, you know, now to save himself, he has to save us all. And that's the bummer of it, you know? Um, and that just kind of like developed over years, uh, naturally. Mm -hmm. Now, another piece of information I always do towards the end and people get mad at me. When is this Kickstarter going to conclude? Cause when this posts, it'll already already be underway and, and we're, we're very certain this is going to be doing well, but people always want to know when's it going to end. So can you tell us when is this Kickstarter going to conclude? Sure. So um, this will be ending on the 31st of July. Good. Do you know what time? Probably evening hour time. We're we're on mountain five, time. Five um, mountain time. Are yeah. we we're launching at five and ending at five? Yeah, we're we're aiming to go for the entire month of July. So we're starting July first around five PM. So we're gonna end to aim, I believe, at five PM on the thirty first. Oh, cool. Okay. Because that makes a difference for some people. I don't, you know, because sometimes people are working till five and they want to know if they got to get to it before they get off of work or if it's like some people do it right at midnight and then they can do it after they get off work and stuff like that. So we want to make sure people know. Well, it's good. And of course, when they go to Kickstarter, they're going to want to look for Mr. Guy colon zombie hunter. Yes. <laughs> so we want to, I want to make sure people get that straight because some people don't spell properly and stuff. So I want to make sure they get it right. So, uh, so you, you mentioned one thing I've got to ask. You said he's a half goblin. 
is is the other half something that's going to be something of a mystery or is that something we can know what's the deal with that we always refer to him as half goblin and never actually say what the other half is okay um, there's a lot of that kind of humor in mr guy where like we kind of leave certain things mysteries um i like to think of those sort of like nebulous plot points as aces up my sleeve for future issues future books um specific like arcs where that nebulous plot point might come into play mm-hmm. it's something that you can keep in reserve just in case you need it if you mm-hmm. paint your stuff into a corner at some point i always um, thought he was half human huh. hmm. Well, I never actually explicitly say that. Yeah, I guess I just made that assumption because he's very he's very attractive by most human standards. He's very he's got like great posture. <laughs> he seems tall. <laughs> like these aren't particularly goblin-y traits. You know, so. you're not the first person to call him attractive. <laughs> <laughs> he is. That's, that's... All of the artists have drawn him that way so far. I like it. Well, well, one of the things he does, he's a, a dirty dancer. Yes, <laughs> and they show in the illustration. I think you you do the first chapter. Uh, you do That's the artwork right. in the first chapter, and you show them like that. So I got to kick. What's interesting, and we'll get a little more into this as we go along. There's interesting <laughs> segments as we as happen, and each segment is drawn by a different artist. You do the first one, and then you've got a friend of mine, Walter Osley, does the second one. Yeah, Walter is like everyone's friend. Everyone yeah. talks is like, oh, Walter Osley, I love him. <laughs> yeah. Yes. He's got yes, metal, we all love him. <laughs> and metal Shark Bro, uh, Shiver Bureau, yeah. all those good things. He's done so oh, many yeah. interesting things. Axel, yeah. Yeah. He's a great collaborator, too. He likes oh, to yeah. work with other people and stuff like that. So I always get a kick out of that. Now, the one thing I got to ask, of course, Mr. Guy is a comics fan. The very first time we see him, he's standing, leaning up against a post, and he's reading a comic book. <laughs> and I love the name of it. It's called Kung Fu Catfish. Yeah, that's his favorite comic. Yes, there's got to be a future for that somewhere down the line. If this ever goes along and you sort of, you know, run Mr. Guy his course, you might go in and and follow up on this stuff and have a a book on that. You just never know if it takes off, that could happen. Well, Dale is smirking. (laughs) (laughs) So, Gunsome Catfish is actually the first, like, formal OC I ever came up with when I was oh, really? six years old. The OG oh, really? is my OG OC. And, <laughs> um, yeah, I, I always kind of resurrect him and I bring him about. And I've got big plans for Kung Fu Catfish. Oh. Um, yeah, it's, it's very silly. It's very meta. I kind of throw him into everything. Um, and he's, like, a nice, like connect the dots kind of character because mm-hmm. Nicola from Tracy Queen is also a Kung Fu Catfish fan. Mm-hmm. Um, at one point in a story that has yet to come out, uh, Cthulhu is revealed to have a Kung Fu Catfish tattoo on his shoulder. Oh. Um, yeah. I mean, Kung Fu Catfish is like everywhere. Like he's just the comic that everyone loves. All right. All right. Now, now the, I mentioned you've got and, and the thing that I have here that you made available to me as, as somebody's going to talk with you about it. There are four arcs in this, but I think there's going to be five altogether, right? So there are four arcs in this mm-hmm. art in this act, and there are three acts altogether. So that's a total of twelve arcs that are wow. part of book one. So you know, eventually we'll what we're kickstarting right now is 
Act One, which is one third of Book One. <laughs> well, that's the four arcs. Is in yes. is in the okay. So that so we know where we're going. Okay, with that because well, the interesting thing about this is at, at the beginning of the book, and I, I don't think we're revealing too much if we talk about the fact where he, I, we mentioned a little bit that he talks about his past jobs. Mm-hmm. You know, one of the, he used to be a dirty dancer one time. I said, then he supplemented by wrestling chickens, <laughs> and then he painted hedges, which is kind of interesting. I has anybody ever tried that? Because I don't think the paint's going to stick too well. <laughs> and then he does piloting mechs, which is the fourth one of the whole bunch. And he starts out in this book. He's getting a job. Now, there's a job open. He's, he's. I don't know. I don't want to describe it too much. I don't want to spoil something that that we should. I, there's a, one of the great things at the beginning is that you, you do a very meta thing right there. You know, the, the guy who's hiring him says, well, I guess I could scare, we could spare a few pages for a flashback. Oh, but yeah. then they flashback, they, they, they twist around to go back in the past and we get to see all these good things. And the fun thing about it is each chapter at the beginning has a poster of one of those segments one of those those past and like the second one we get to see or maybe it's the first one we get to see him as uh he says get your dirties danced <laughs> and it's got uh you know mr guy dirty dancer and a poster <laughs> for that and of course if and, and then there's a, a, a the damn drink which is in the second one so it's it's fun how you lay all these things out and then you follow them through which i get again it's, it's a lot of fun to do that the uh first and the names too got me. The stup- the first one is called Stupid Vermin. And you spell stupid like they do on uh, the uh, Adult Swim. Uh, yeah. It's S T O O P I D instead of S T U. Right. Uh, what's funny, everything else gets abbreviated. That gets extended. I always get <laughs> that. And of course, you do the writing and the art, the art on that one. The second one we also mentioned is Walter Ossie, and that's called A Damn Drink, which I, was, I just mentioned. The third one is called Muskrat City. I don't think that has to do with uh, the, the uh, Captain and Tennille song, but that's illustrated by Diana Camero. Probably that went all over people's heads. Uh, there was a song that they did called Muskrat uh, Muskrat Love, and they talk about it. So then the fourth one is called Residential Vi- Resident Viral, and it's illustrated by J.C. Chase. And you have guest art by Sophia Murphy in there, and all the artwork's kind of fun. I, honestly, the styles are kind of similar from one to the other. So you know, I kind of liked that. It was very consistent how it flowed from one story to another. I wanted to, to say that. I feel like the it, it's interesting because the styles flow really nicely. They're still unique enough that if you showed me one, I would know which artist it was. Mm-hmm. Um, but really, it's like the sensibilities are just a little bit different in a way that I felt curating it was perfect for each arc. You know what I mean? Like each artist's sensibilities come across in a way that just it's like pairing wine with cheese like aged cheeses and fine wines you know what i mean like that's how it feels to me um and yeah it does flow really nicely they're similar enough that it doesn't feel out of place Mm -hmm. but they're different enough that it feels like each one is encapsulated and mm-hmm. kind of put on its own pedestal and lit correctly, you know? Mm-hmm. Now, there's one other thing I want to mention, too. In the email you mentioned something that was kind of fun, that this book is called an art-thology. 
And that's the way I, I, I seem to talk more and more on this podcast with people who are doing anthology books. Mm-hmm. And they're being, in, especially in indie circles, they're doing extremely well because it gives you a chance to tell shorter stories and it gets you to have more creators involved and they get exposure by mm-hmm. doing this stuff. So I, I've never heard the term artthology before instead of anthology. So I thought that was, uh, it says it's an experiment in storytelling with sequential art. Yeah. So talk about that. I mean, because the big companies are scared of anthologies. Every time they try to do that, it, although I have to say DC is doing these uh, 80, 80th anniversary mm-hmm. anthology stuff with multiple stories and stuff in it. So maybe the, that's changed. But it used to be people were terrified of anthologies because they didn't, they didn't think they would sell as well as a regular team. But talk about that, about the, the desire to go that route. So, I mean, well, first, like, there's Dark Horse Presents was a great anthology that had a great run for a while, and that was a periodical anthology. Mm-hmm. Um, and to me, that was kind of like following in the the jet stream of, um, like, Heavy Metal Magazine, which also was a periodical anthology model. Um, and my first ever anthology was actually a Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles anthology. And it was called Turtle Soup. And it was brilliant. Like, it was the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, but every, like, short comic was by a different creative team. And that, to me, was, like, what I wanted an anthology to be. And never since then have I seen one. And I think that's really, for me, the idea of the artthology, is that it's not an anthology in that it's a collection of all these completely different projects that have like a similar theme, but it's one project, this one IP being done by different people. Mm-hmm. So Turtle Soup was similar to that, except still these were different self-contained short stories, but at least it was the same Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles in each one, just drawn by different people and drawn wildly different stylistically speaking, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, and that was really cool, you know? Um, but I was like, you know, what if it was like one story, like one narrative, and just each chapter was done in a different style, and the writer themselves were to like write stylistically different or thematically different for each chapter? Um, you know, like I just wanted to take that and see how far that idea could be pushed. And it sounded a little weird. It was a little off. But like so far, everyone that's checked this out has been like, wow, this really works. And, you know, the feedback has just been super bright. You know, like I really feel great about the feedback. Um, now, yeah. The one thing we should mention, though, is that this is not necessarily a young child's book. <laughs> it's, yep. It says yeah, on the front. Good point. <laughs> yeah, it's, um, let me just say on the front, it says content warning, violence and gore. Go ahead and elaborate on that if you would. So um, we take normally like I like to imply when someone is injured or imply that something gory is happening and have it happen off screen. That's just like my style. But with Mr. Guy, I decided it would be funny to show the gore in an almost like cartoony kind of slapstick way. Um, and I don't know, you know, how much you want me to talk about that. Like, well, I mean, why, why go that route as opposed to other, to other routes? I mean, you know, cause obviously you're, 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 I oh, you can't say this is not going to be all ages, but that doesn't necessarily mean it's a bad thing. 
Right. So, so why, why did you want to go that? Was it better? Was it more suited to the storytelling you wanted to do? I felt like it fit Mr. Guy's character more to just be a little crass and desensitized. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, the gore is not particularly realistic, but for example, you know, I'll have the sound effect actually like written in the sky in guts, you know, like the onomatopoeia spelled out in like gore. Um, that I just thought felt right for the character. It just feels like that's his style. That's what we're kind of imbuing him with is this like, he's just crass. He's desensitized. He's, you know, and so we wanted the, the slapstick to do its weight in conveying that. Mm-hmm. And, and you know that that's, if that's the story you want to tell, that's perfectly all right. You don't have to do all ages. I I just bring that up because it seems like young adult books are really flying off the shelves these days. There's yeah. this thing called Dog Boy, and it sells like crazy. Yeah. I, I, I've seen it, but I've never read. I've read other books, but that one doesn't appeal to me. But it doesn't matter to me. The, the other kids, I mean, there's Amulet, which I really love, and there's a whole bunch of other ones that are young adult ones. And there's DC's doing again a, a whole bunch of young adult graphic novels and stuff that's going. So I, you know, you don't necessarily have to appeal to all ages to tell a good story. And, you know, the audience in comics too is starting to skew much older. That's, I mean, that's definitely true. I think uh, you have a lot more people that have been reading comics for 50 years, you know? Um, And that's cool. Like they, they, you know, the stories should be able to grow up with us as well. Uh, but also, you know, keeping in mind, like, this is going to be on the same table with Tracy Queen, which is definitely not for kids. I mean, it's, it's that is about adult mm-hmm. scenarios and dealing with, you know, adult issues. And so, you know, I just feel like most of our work at this point is going to be on the same shelf. We might as well, you know, just kind of roll with that. Mm-hmm. Oh, I got to ask you too, because I'm an, I, I want to call an experienced reader. I have been reading for several decades at this point. And for me, when I see something new and unusual, I, I am really drawn to it. And yours is that way. I feel there's a lot of really interesting and, and different things happening in this book. There, there are some things that happen that I, I've seen before, but you know, you have a different way of doing them which I really like. And so I think that it's, that was, that's the question I have though, knowing that there are a lot of people out there who have read a lot of comics and stuff. Is that a challenge to you or does that, does that help you write better knowing that there are, you're trying to go places where other people haven't been? Well, I, I would say that Mr. Guy actually depends on the fact that there are a lot of people who have read a lot of comics and um, taken in a lot of zombie fiction of different kinds, you know, movies, TV shows, comics, books. Um, Mr. Guy is actually an exploration of zombies in pop culture. So I think I will defer to JL to talk about that a little bit more because he's the one that created it, but it's very much in response to other zombie fiction. Okay. So um, I think actually a key point and in fact, one of the fuels of the humor of Mr. Guy is this idea that like, you know, I was saying before, okay, so plot twist, 
this zombie apocalypse takes place on a modern fantasy world. The next part is, well, what version of the zombie apocalypse is it? Is it a retrovirus? Is it a curse? Is it, you know, like, did aliens do it? Is it GMOs? Is You know, like, what exactly is this zombie apocalypse? And so in pop culture, what we have is all these subgenres of the zombie subgenre of horror, right? <laughs> so it's like this hierarchy. Um, within horror, there's zombies. And within zombies, there's all these different versions of what causes the zombie apocalypse. So for Mr. Guy to save himself, he has to figure out how to cure the zombie apocalypse. Mm-hmm. And to figure out how to cure the zombie apocalypse, he has to figure out what's causing it. So he has to actually try and go through the checklist of, you know, well, was it created in a lab? Is it a natural virus? Is it a GMO? Is it a retrovirus? Is it a curse? Is it, you know, aliens? (laughs) I'm not saying aliens, but um, so, yeah, I mean, that's kind of the the joy of it is he goes through and explores all of these different sub sub genres, you know. And there's a Uh, lot of jokes in the book that... mm -hmm. Maybe not even all readers will get, but anyone who really loves zombies will get a lot of them, at least. Um, JL really went pretty deep into zombie sort of lore for the jokes and gags in this book. Mm-hmm. There's a wonderful sequence. And I'm going to talk about this character next. He gets a companion along the way by the name of Spooky. And at one point, he's actually talking with them and they're talking about curing Zombie, and he says, if we cured it, I'd be free of this expository, dialogue-ridden specter bubble, <laughs> which, which made me laugh. And I read that, I went, that, you know, that's an interesting description of the character, which I want to talk about a little bit. Is But that's a funny way to, you know, self-awareness to me is always enjoyable when I read stuff. When people are aware of themselves and, and the good and the bad, and they really see that. And so that was hilarious to me that this character actually was conscious and, and this is on the first page that we see him he's already conscious of the kind of things he does which i got i found very entertaining and he's very much he he's there to be kind of the outsider the the the, the gadfly for uh <laughs> mr guy which i really like and he's called spooky now of course i, I want to know more about spooky that you can tell us don't Chris, don't spoil stuff but tell us what we should know about about spooky well spooky is cursed to be Mr. Guy's sidekick. Also, Mr. Guy is cursed to have Spooky as a sidekick. (laughs) So they're kind of each other's co-curses. And that's also part of this greater story that they both have to discover. Um, Part of the thing with Spooky is, you know, there's this kind of like deus ex machina, like convenience, convenient plot um, exposition, whatever works for the plot, Spooky has the ability to know. Uh, But whatever would spoil the plot, he can't know. Mm. So like his powers are based on not spoiling the plot, or at least his limitations. And that is kind of a deconstruction of something that we see a lot in actual storytelling that isn't Mm self-aware is when, you know, side characters have the ability to, know anything except for what would save the day you know like they can't clear they clearly can't know what would spoil the plot but they can know everything else so it's kind of like a little bit of like a 
a wry, you know, ribbing to that kind of storytelling, um, which also I'm guilty of myself. So it's also ribbing myself, you know, um, but it's done lovingly, you know. Mm-hmm. Now, I, I, I want to get back to that. There's something that you, you reminded me of something on it. Well, let me do it before we get to the, the thing. I noticed that Mr. Guy, in some ways, when I looked at your picture on Facebook, uh, there's some similarities. Hmm. Is Mr. Guy designed based on you? Um, he's a part of me that I would never let out of the box. Like he's, he is 100% self-interested and I'm the kind of person that, I mean, I will help people to the point where other people are like, jail, you need to stop and take care of yourself. You need to stop doing this right now. You know what I mean? Like, I just, I can't imagine living a life that is completely like self-centered, but there's a part of me that's like fascinated with that concept. Mm-hmm. So he's like a part of me that kind of explores what that would be like. Mm-hmm. So it's like, a vicarious like nega world version of me like you know is the 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 one of he's the version of me with the mustache and the eye patch you know okay well the reason why i asked that because when i looked at the picture of you on facebook you have green skin and (laughs) pointy ears like mr guy does and i thought it made me think, wait a second, is there something going on here that we need to know a little bit more about? But, you know, I, I, I think you're doing that just to kind of do a promotional thing. Well, yeah. <laughs> oh, crap, he's on to us. <laughs> I'm actually a half goblin. I won't tell you what that is, though. <laughs> That's what I thought. Okay, back to Spooky for a second. Talk to me about the design of Spooky. Spooky is, and of course, this is an audio podcast, so I can't really show a visual. I'll try to get it in the, in the banner. But he's a skull, or at least the top part of the skull, down to the upper teeth. Mm-hmm. And he floats in a green cloud, interestingly, which is a little different. Than the one. Talk about designing him and stuff, because you... Like, for example, when he's saying that remark about that he's an expository dialogue read in Spectre Bubble, his eyes kind of close a little bit to make it look like I'm, he's, he's laughing at himself with that. Talk <laughs> about the design of him and, and why you made the choices you did with Spooky. Uh, well, so, again, this goes back to Turtle Soup, which was also my introduction to Stan Sakai's work with Yosagi Ojimbo. Um and I love Yosagi Ojimbo. Like, as a kid, I just could not get enough. You know, back in, like, the 80s and 90s, like, Yosagi Ojimbo was everything to me. Um, and a lot of times what Stan would do is when a character perishes, he would indicate their having, you know, left the mortal coil by having a little, like, instead of a thought bubble, it would be like, it would be like a thought bubble, but with a skull in it, you know, to be like, oh, this character is dead now. And I just thought that that was like so much fun and so brilliant. And honestly, I just wanted that thought bubble to be a character. Like I wanted that to like, that's what I thought of as ghosts. I was like, yes, that's such a wonderful, cute way of like making a ghost. So then, you know, that thought kind of evolved and, and diverged from what originally spark joy there and and i was like i'm keeping this you know i can't throw that out i gotta do something with it um and it just worked its way into 
into Mr. Guy. And again, that was probably within like a 10 year span because Mr. Guy, I had first started designing in the mid nineties, early mid nineties, you know? So I think like that's where it came from. And then since then it just continued to evolve. And the idea that he's like stuck in this little bubble that's attached to a bite mark in Mr. Guy's arm and Mr. Guy is totally, again, he's Mr. Guy, you know? So like Spooky's just gonna be a little, a little sassy, a little like bummed, a little like, ugh, you know, like it's it's tiring to be Mr. Guy's sidekick all the time, you know. Spooky's a little bit of an intellectual, I yeah, would say, and Mr. Sure. Guy definitely is not. Definitely not. <laughs> there's there's a sequence in there that I have to laugh. I don't, I don't think it'll spoil stuff where he's somewhere and he's talking about. That it's not like a such and such a store, and he says it's more like a convenience store with a big grin on his face. And Spooky's eyes go up to the top of his head and goes unfollow, <laughs> which I got a kick out of. You know, very you know Facebooky kind of terminology. <laughs> He's kind of the 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 socially aware right. of the two of them. Cancel. So I got yeah. <laughs> so I got a kick out of him. I was interested that they, depending on the artist, they portray him a little differently yeah. one to the other. And I thought that was interesting. Um, were you surprised when people like you must have given the artists like the scripts, and then when the when the artwork came back, were you interested to see how differently each person portrayed, like say Mr. Guy and Spooky? Oh, I was giddy, giddy with excitement. Um, I mean. You know, these are all artists that we've worked with before and, and whose work we love. Um, you know, they've worked on anthologies with us in the past. And, you know, I knew that I would that I would love it. So I basically just showed them all of my artwork of Mr. Guy and gave them the script and said, okay, do this, but in your style. And when we got it back, I mean, each time it was just like, it was like, I don't even know, like all the birthdays at once, you know. Mm. That's cool. That's cool. Now there's 52 pages in the book that I got to see. And I imagine there's going to be some altering as we go along. And I I would be remiss if I didn't talk about the very end of the book. There is, you talk about meta stuff to the end of the book. And I don't know, I, and some, some part of me doesn't want to spoil it because <laughs> I was I was happily surprised by it. But let's just say there's a big meta thing happens at the very end of the book. If you get to, there's several uh, posters and artwork drawings and stuff like that. Don't stop. Keep going when you get to those because there's a wonderful meta piece on the at the very end of the book. And you actually have some of the pages drawn into <laughs> well, the, the the stuff that's in there, where we actually get to see some of the comic in there, which I got to, and the, well, there's a, a great joke at the end, the very last thing we see that made me laugh. So I got a huge kick out of. It. So let's, there's a wonderful bit. Don't don't stop reading when you get to the end of what appears. You get to the place where it appears is the end. You keep going. It's like a Marvel movie, you know. You want to hang around after the credits <laughs> so that you can get to see this stuff. And that's what this is kind of. It's it's a great fun little bit. There's a lot of fun going into this book, and it really is enjoyable. Now, the question I've got, though, you know, you talked about the fact that there's multiple sequences for this. Uh, do you know what you basically you've got this book, you know, it, there's still some, I'm sure there's still some parts that yet to come in, but you know, it won't be too long after the Kickstarter is done that you'll be, you know, ready to, to send this out. Is this going to be printed? Are you going to do paper copies? Are you going to do digital? How are you going to do that? Oh yeah. So um, before the Kickstarter even ends, this will be ready to send to the printer so that 
as soon as the the Kickstarter money goes to our account, we hit send and the printer prints it. Um, our printer is already aware of this. You know, I mean, we're our turnaround times are pretty amazingly fast. The one thing that we have to wait for is we send out surveys so that we can thank our backers and we let them tell us what name they want to be thanked as. Some people don't want to use their given name or, you know, some people want to do it in someone else's name, their friend or their neighbor or whatever, you know. Uh, so we always have to wait for those surveys to come back. But as soon as those surveys come back, we put all those names in the book and just send it right out and it's printed. Cool. Um, so uh, one thing we haven't asked is, do you know what the goal is going to be, the fundraising goal? Uh, yeah, so that is uh, 10 grand, and that is to cover paying the artists and paying the printing for this book. And also, um, we actually haven't said this yet, but we're also doing our 10th anthology mm-hmm. along with Mr. Guy, the anthology. Mm-hmm. So anthology 10 has. Well, Ava, Lindsay, uh, I've been talking a lot. You want to you want to tell them about Anthology Ten? Oh, sure. Yeah. Um, so, the Anthology series is kind of actually how we came upon all of the the artists that ended up working on Mister Guy. Um, we've been making comics anthologies um, for I don't know, maybe about three years now. This mm-hmm. is going to be our tenth one. Um, and it features, I believe, 14 short comics and art by, it's well over two dozen creators. I don't remember the exact number. Um, so up until now, we had been basically printing the anthologies more or less out of pocket um, because we really want to work with a lot of different creators and we want to tell these stories and we love doing it. Um, but because there is, like you said earlier, kind of this like, kind of this mystique around anthologies where people are kind of afraid to to touch them like retailers won't go near them um you know big comic book companies don't want anything to do with them we've had a harder time than we expected making the money back so this time we said hey we're gonna be funding mr guy we want it to be a really big kickstarter why don't we fund both books with one kickstarter so Putting these two things together, uh, we're going to be aiming for $10,000 goal. So once again, fingers crossed, knock on wood, salt over the shoulder. I don't know, turn around in circles a bunch of times, whatever else you do. (laughs) Um, It's going to be our biggest Kickstarter goal so far. So we are really excited and also, you know, a little healthily nervous, I would say. Mm -hmm. You you wouldn't be healthy if you weren't nervous going into this people go up to i've seen people go up and say hey give me ten thousand dollars and i'll start on a comic book Mm. and i'm like and everybody goes what What? what's to stop you from taking the ten thousand dollars and going off to the islands or something like that right so the good thing is is i i have proof right in front of my eyes that you guys have been working hard on this good stuff and making it very successfully done i think it's really going to be fun for people to read i think it's going to be a great great story things are going to really enjoy it it's a lot, a lot of fun. And uh, so sometimes I read books that are not so much fun. So it was nice to get into a more fun book, you know, because uh, I, I tend to be drawn to, and, and this is true of zombie books too. Zombie books tend to be darker if there's any humor at all. This is a lot more, uh, if nothing else, smile humor. And I laughed out loud at parts of it, but there's still a serious story going on. It, it's not necessarily a, a, 
full humor book. There's a lot of good things. It's got that nice balance that, that is just right. It's like a real things. You know, in our real lives, we joke and do stuff like that, too. And it's always interesting to me that some people don't want to – if somebody tells a joke in a comic, oh, no, that's a funny book. We can't have that. <laughs> and then, But yet in real life, that's what we do all the time. So I, I like it when like, – like your book, there's a lot of – there's dry humor. There's laugh out loud stuff. There's all different kinds of things going on that makes it an entertaining read. And I think it's going to go over real well. I don't think you're going to have trouble getting the 10,000. I think it's going to Wow. I like the sound of that. So Thank you. <laughs> about to do that. You know, now, honestly, just hearing that you laughed out loud at parts and, and particularly hearing which parts you – pointed out that you really liked like mm-hmm. it's i might be floating for floating around for days after this you know like well i think you'd hear a lot of that i don't think i'm going to be the only one saying that i think there's going to be a lot of people really going to enjoy it so i think it's going to be great so it, it's good not the question i wanted to ask of course you've got the this is like the first arc you said there's several arcs how far are you like working obviously you've gotten a good deal ahead on this one you're already working on the second arc so yeah, so this is um, arcs one through four, and I already have up to arc twelve written. Wow! So that's all together going to be book one, the big you know compendium. Um, and then I have ideas for book two, but I'm keeping those kind of loose. So right now, the very next issue, which will be Act Two. Mm-hmm arcs five through eight um those are pretty much done writing i have a few ideas of what artists i want to pair with what with which arcs um but act three is still kind of loose a lot of the writing there is kind of loose i need to do a couple more passes but i want to like i want to leave myself that ability to see what people are responding to the most in this when they get it to then you know go back and retweak the next one a little bit before pulling the trigger on it and then you know after that one is out in the world still have a little bit of time to tweak the third one before you know getting that out cool well it's great that you worked that far ahead because some people you know i i always thought that mark wade when he when he wrote stuff he he would apparently write himself in the corner but i thought he knows how he's getting out of it there's no problem with that but then when I interviewed him, I actually said that to him. He says, oh, no, I don't do that at all. <laughs> and I got, I sit and write it, and my editor and I rewrite in the corner, and then we come back a couple weeks later and say, how are we going to get out of this? <laughs> and I was like, really? He says, oh, he says, I, I hope I didn't disappoint you with that. He goes, but I thought that's kind of funny, you know, that I, I, I was so sure he had – there's only way he could do this if he knew how he was going to do it, but that wasn't the case with that. <laughs> but I, I noticed something I got to mention in here in, in one, the, the latter story. When Mr. Guy ends up jumping into a, a, a thing of, of some liquid and stuff, I noticed that outside, you were talking about the turtles, there's <laughs> a what appears to be, a, 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 let's just say, a, a, it looks like a radioactive tube with stuff on it. And around the tube, what are there? But <laughs> <laughs> four turtles, uh, a rat, and a piece of pizza. <laughs> and that made me laugh. I said, that was one of the ones I'm I said, okay, okay. I said, I got that joke. That's a great little thing to have. I thought that was a great thing. I love – see, in jokes like that are great fun for those of us who get them. Somebody looking at that wouldn't know what the heck that was, and that would be fine with them. But those of us who get the in joke enjoy that kind of stuff, and I think that's a that's a great way to do that. Wonderful. So that's super, super <laughs> Turtle cool. power. 
Yeah, yeah, I like that great stuff. So, okay, so what we got is this is Mr. Guy and Zombie. Let me make sure I get it exactly right. Mr. Guy, Zombie Hunter, and Jail Draco, and of course Lindsay G are involved with it. And go to Kickstarter and don't let them have the daily heart attack. Let's get to this all done as soon as possible, so that they can actually look at it and say, okay, now we can worry about stretch goals. You don't have to worry about raising the money so much and I think that's always a good I, I love it when a Kickstarter goes into the stretch goals because then we get to see all the really good things that, that you probably would love to do so, oh, yeah. Sure. Yeah. so I like that so uh, let me well Lindsay let me ask you is any other things that Onesti Press is doing I, I'm sure this is going to be a big success so I think Mr. Guy Zombie Hunter is going to take off uh, other things that you guys are doing that we should be aware of We've always got a lineup of of things coming. Um, This year, we actually had a really, really busy schedule planned. Uh, We were going to try to put out four books. And then, you know, things started happening. 2020 has been occurring. Um, And so we have we've scaled back a little bit. So at this point, our sort of schedule of when everything is happening is a little bit more up in the air. so I don't want to make any grand declarations, but in the next uh, year or so, you can look for Mr. Guy, number one. Uh, we're going to be working on Pack number three. We'll be working on Tracy Queen, number three. And we're also going to have a collection of comics by Brendan Rowe, who is a writer who we've worked with on multiple anthologies. Um, I believe we're looking to collect four or five of his short comics into one volume probably next spring. So we're really excited about that. We haven't actually done a collection like that yet, but we have been wanting to. Um, Sort of like the next stage of Oneshi Press is starting to do standalone um, issues and or volumes of other people's work. So um, I think that's all we've got on the docket for now. I think what we're planning on doing is with each anthology, like Anthology 11 and 12, have a different single issue uh, project come out. Like, like Lindsay was saying, the next issue of Pack or the next issue of Tracy Queen or the Brendan Rowe anthology will come with an an- one of our Oneshi Press Comics anthologies. So if this works out well, which we're assuming it will, I think it's we've received great feedback so far. So as long as this, this Kickstarter goes well, this might be the model for our future Kickstarters. Of course, if somebody were to say right now, hey, J.L. Nunzi, I love what you guys are doing. You guys are amazing. Here's a hundred grand. We have at least 12 projects we could pull the trigger on, including the rest of Tracy Queen, the rest of Pack, the rest of Mr. Guy, and several Children of Gaia stories that we have all the work done for conceptually. We just have to space it out for funding purposes, really. Right. Well, and <laughs> well, well keep getting the actual work. Hiring done. people, you know. <laughs> well, we'll keep the ear to the ground. Maybe somebody like that is out there would like to step forward. That would they Hello. they would not they wouldn't turn that down. Are you do out there? <laughs> so okay, so sorry. Now that leads to another question, of course. If we want to follow your guys' stuff, how do we do that on social media? We are at Oneshi Press on uh Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Uh you can find us on any of those by typing in Oneshi Press. Um, we also have our website, Oneshipress.com. There's also MrGuyComic.com. Uh, where we're going to be posting some interviews with the creators over the next few weeks. Um, There's a lot of art up there and just more information on that project. Um, 
And there's a lot of information on our anthologies also at oneshipress.com. Also, in the footer of oneshipress.com, you can find links to all of our socials and all that stuff. Right. Okay. Well, you guys are doing wonderful stuff, and I wish you continued success. I think you guys have been doing great so far, and granted on your successful Kickstarter, I'm very optimistic this is going to turn out super well for you guys, and we're going to get to move forward and do a lot more of these good things. I mean, it's no, I think you guys are doing great stuff, and I just think that uh, all I can do is encourage you to keep it up because, man, you're doing the kind of stuff that I enjoy reading, and I, I love a that that wonderfully balanced storytelling that is so much fun to read and so in, enjoyable. So uh, all I can say is keep it up and you guys get out there and support Mr. Guy Zombie Hunter. It's out on Kickstarter right now. So get let's get that goal and get into stretch goals. All right. I can't thank you enough, Wayne. You're awesome. Thank yeah, you, thank so, you much. so much. And thanks for being a close reader. You yeah. made a lot of great observations. <laughs> <laughs> in my day. Uh, I always get a kick because when I interview people, I always want to, um, I, I like to ask good questions. And that's why I always ask people, send me stuff. There was a guy for an image book and I won't say which one I had asked a bunch of questions and, uh, you know, and he was surprised, you know, at the, the questions I did. I saw him in New York when he realized who it was, he said, oh, it's you. Oh, you asked all those wonderful questions. Yeah. <laughs> and I said, well, yeah, that's why I get the copies ahead. So I can actually kind of try to ask it help people get more out of the book when they get a hold of it that's my my goal and so that's right so yeah I, I i like to ask good questions you guys are are fertile ground for good questions so i think that's <laughs> well you're I, you are the ideal reader for us because we love packing in little inside jokes and meta references it's like our favorite thing to do mm-hmm. so and <laughs> we really appreciate when people notice those little details yeah. people need dramatic examples to shake them out of apathy and I can't do that as Bruce Wayne as a man I'm flesh and blood I can be ignored I can be destroyed but as a symbol get the latest from the comics universe news interviews previews and reviews listen to the weekly Wayne's Comics Podcast so you can keep reading your comics that's a wrap for this episode if this weekend is a holiday one for you have a great time and even if it isn't we'll see you next week so until then keep reading your comics